0: Today's reading is from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 to 30. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was the custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, He found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Kids in London are killing
1: each other over a couple of letters and numbers. We call a postcard. Young people are being attacked, mugged, stabbed and even shot, simply for walking into somebody else's postcode area. This is stupid, because no matter where you're from, we're all the same. We all bleed red.
0: This is something that affects us all. Not just young people, it's the mothers, fathers, families. People who fear stepping outside their doors at night.
1: So here's the idea. We want to gather young people from all corners of London, the north, south, east and west, and get them to agree to write a great song. A song that we can play far and wide. A song about unity and hope, as well as the difficulties, tensions, and pain this problem brings. A song that will raise awareness and financial income. Income that will help support some of the amazing charities that are working to bring about change in this area.
0: But we need your help. To support it, like it, tweet about it, buy the song, let's make a big noise about this problem. Let's love London, because this is our London, and these are our neighbours. It's the same blood that we all blame. It's the same blood that we all blame.
1: Amazing. Some striking images there for a Sunday morning. This was a, a project, an initiative that I kicked off in London when we lived in London before New Zealand. And it was an issue that I was uh, aware of growing, um, that was growing in London. So young people that were actually planning their bus routes to avoid certain postcodes. They would literally look at a map and say, well, I can't get on that bus because that will pass through that postcode. And if I go this way, then it avoids going through that postcode and it was growing sort of thing that was becoming an actual thing in London. There was charities that work with young people and young people at risk of crime and ex-offenders that were all trying to kind of combat this, trying to come up with new initiatives and so on. And this was one of the things that, that I kind of trialed and tried to do, getting them all involved in music, writing a song, generating money to support all the people who are on the ground to doing all this stuff. But despite getting a riot van that um, MTV Pimp My Ride pimped up and turned into a recording studio and taking the writer van around all the different areas of London, it it was almost impossible. The project actually ran out of time, ran out of money, and it was one of my failures that I kind of look at and say, that didn't happen. Now, this is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because this is geography getting in the way of everyday life. This is young people, actually, that couldn't really do their day-to-day and actually were in fear of actually stepping in something that was actually just connected with a letter and a number, N1, E2, or whatever it is, the postcodes meant a massive difference. And unfortunately, being in London and living in London, we saw all kinds of uh, uh, revenge attacks and so on, even uh, witness a young person that was actually um, stabbed and his life was, was taken just because he was in a different postcode. It had nothing to do with the problem, but because they knew he was from a different postcode and there was a problem there, it was like a revenge attack. It was just an horrific thing. Who'd have thought geography could get in the way of life? Who'd have thought a geographical area become such a thing that actually young people were switched off to hearing anything that the young people wanted to say? even trying to get them to sing about it and say, well, tell us about the pain, tell us about the problem, tell us about the tension, but well, tell us about the hope that you would love to see. The young people didn't even want to hear because they were from a different postcode. We don't want to even be on the same track, on the same song. We don't have anything to do with that. Now, to an extreme example, but I was reminded of it when I came to look at this passage. I'm from a small town in Whitehaven in Cumbria, and there was a neighboring village only eight miles away, um, and we didn't really kind of talk to each other, and we grew up with this kind of like rivalry of like, oh, don't listen to them, they're from there, they're not from where we're from, and that was kind of a small example, but this This was massive in London, living in the same city, yet close to the idea that somebody from that other postcode had something to say, something that was relevant to them, something that they would be open to. And in this passage that we look at, we see locality is an issue for some. Geography is an issue for some. Like Jesus is familiar, this is his hometown. It'd been going really well in other places, as we've read, it was like he went around the synagogues, people praised him, it was going really well. And he comes to his hometown. He kind of steps foot back in his own postcode, if you like, and then he runs into problems. So isn't that, that's just Jesus. No, we remember him when he was, yeah, he's, oh no, it's just Joseph's son. Like we know him. Yeah, It becomes an issue, it becomes a barrier. And actually they can't hear what Jesus is trying to say, which was incredible, because he's just a local, familiar face. They reduced his identity. And it could be said that the contrast between Jesus' power and the growing rejection of him is the major tension in this story. The crowd here have rejected Jesus on his ho- in his hometown on his own postcode. And the rejection starts by, the re- like I say, they reduce his identity down to just being Joseph's son. The rejection starts in their heart. Often it does, doesn't it? It's that little niggling thought. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, it's just them. That person hasn't really got anything to say because I know, I know where they're from. Yeah, I know what job they had before that. I know they've worked the way. Yeah, and it kind of starts in the heart, but often it can grow and it can grow. And in this case, it starts with a little rejection, a little passing comment in it. And Jesus is like, I know what they're thinking. I know where this is going to go. They're going to miss it. They're going to miss it because they recognize me. They think I'm just Joseph's son. So Jesus was discriminated against, he was judged, he was rejected, and he was threatened, not for being from another postcode, but actually from being from his own postcode, in his own space. He stands up and he reads the scripture in his hometown. Now, I want you to imagine, um, if you like movies, I want you to imagine that this is almost like a movie scene. It's a movie setting. And at this point, it's kind of happening in slow motion. Those who study narrative tell us that when time decelerates in the presentation of an account, it means something important is being communicated. And that's what's happening here in this moment. So the scroll of the Prophet Isaiah is handed to him, and he begins to read it out. And it's that slow motion moment. An awesome moment. Jesus is about to fulfil prophecy in front of people. He's reading out in his hometown where he's been brought up. This is an amazing thing. He's revealing his mission to the people that recognize him and know him. So I want you to imagine when I read this again, that this is what he wants to achieve in you, in your lives, in your thought patterns, in your families, in your friends, and amongst your work colleagues. This is what Jesus has come to do in your life and beyond. The Spirit of the Lord, he says, is on me. It's on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Like we do have every Saturday here when we feed uh, the community here on our Saturday meal. We do it every Saturday. We're proclaiming the good news. Proclaiming good news. Jesus is proclaiming good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Freedom for your work colleagues. Freedom from your anxiety. Freedom from your, uh, the things that you struggle with within your uh, work and families. I've come to bring recovery to the sight of blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But then he does something strange. He rolls the script, the scroll up. He sits down. And then people are like, okay, well, what's next? The verse says every eye is fixed on Jesus because he's kind of gone off-piste. It's kind of like he's proclaimed this. And he sits down, he rolls it up, he passes it back to them. And then they're just kind of saying, well, what's next? What's he going to do now? He says this. Verse 20 says this, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fixed on him. Why are they fixed on him? Like, what's happened? Well, because it's not the norm. He's done something that wasn't the norm. Let's look at the traditional order of service on the Sabbath uh, (coughs) at a synagogue. It goes like this. This is what it should have gone like. It should have started with uh, a thing called the Shema, which was recited. Basically, it was Deuteronomy. So they start with this reading. Then it would have followed by prayers. It would have been set prayers at that point. A scripture would have been read, um, a portion from the Torah, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy. Then move into a section of reading about the prophets, which he'd just done, he'd just read that from Isaiah. Then it would have been the talk, instructions. He would have linked different passages together, he'd have weaved it all in. It would have been amazing. And then they would have ended with the closing of the service by reading the benediction. But that didn't happen. Jesus has read a, a prophetic thing, and he rolls it up and he sits down. But then he says, and by the way, today scripture is being fulfilled in your here in my hometown Like, imagine on a Sunday morning, someone steps up, they do the reading, they read out the passage, then they close the Bible, and then I just say, "Yeah, by the way, that was about me. I'm done. <laughs> you can go home." Now we'd get our Sunday lunches a lot sooner, wouldn't we? But you'd be left a bit confused. You'd be like, well, hang on, where, where, what was? Where's the sermon?" Like, where's the kind of application? Where's the altar call? What, aren't we being prayed for? Like, what's going to happen? And these guys were confused because they're like, that isn't the norm. You've wrapped it up. You've said it's about you. You've sat down. It would be a bit strange. Jesus is basically saying, da-da. Guys, you've been waiting for this for thousands of years. Dates all the way back to Abraham. I'm he. I'm here. Today, in my hometown, I'm reading it and I'm telling you, I've come to achieve this in your lives, in this place and beyond. An amazing, amazing moment. I think some are confused because of the like, well, but it's just Joseph's son. Now let's just pause at that moment because the answer to that question isn't that just Joseph's son. The answer is no. It's a million times no. Like if he was just Joseph's son. Guys, just get the chairs and let's just go home. Let's just pack up. What are we doing? Like, What on earth? If Jesus was just Joseph's son, what on earth is this building about? Like, Why are we here? A million times no, is he just Joseph's son? And the people that commented on that, the people that said that or asked that question, they can't have been present just a chapter before where Jesus is being baptized and the heavens open and God the Father, his true Father, reveals his identity, this, not, not this is Joseph's son, this is my son who I love and I am pleased with. God the Father is revealing his son to people at the baptism, just a chapter before. The people asking that question can't have been there, they can't have seen it, they can't have received that, they wouldn't be asking that question. So it starts with this little niggling, niggling comment, often does, doesn't it? A little niggling comment, oh, isn't, it, isn't that Joseph's son? Like reducing him down to that? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, I know what you're thinking. I know, what you're going, I know you're going to quote Scripture at me. You're going to use Scripture against me. You're going to shoehorn it in. You're going to say, this is, it, it, it says this, that prophet's not welcome in his hometown. time. You're going to use that, and, and you're going to kind of like try and derail me with that. I know what you're thinking. And Jesus is getting more and more frustrated, I imagine. And I imagine he's feeling the pain of the rejection. Maybe some of us here have, dealt, have, have, have experienced rejection. Maybe you've stood up to say something. And you've been completely uh, misinterpreted. You've, You've stood up to say something. And someone's like, yeah, it's just that person. Don't listen to her. Don't listen to him. Or they've taken you completely wrong. They've got offended. And you know the pain of it. Jesus is there thinking, oh, man. Guys, you're going you're gonna to get ahead of yourself, you're gonna, it's, this, is gonna end. this isn't going to end well. So then Jesus is kind of chipping back at them and, and, and saying, I know what you're thinking, you're going to say this, you're going to quote this at me. So then Jesus challenges them, he challenges them, and he rebukes them as well at the same time. If you look at cha- uh, verse 25 to 27, Jesus goes back to the Old Testament and he says, there was this time where actually heavens were, was, were closed. And actually, the people didn't accept the message that was being said. They missed it. They got completely distracted, and God had to move outside of there. God had to operate outside of that area. And he's saying, guys, don't let that happen again. Don't let that happen again. It's almost like saying to some guys, remember what happened. Like, if if you reject this, if you don't take this on, if you ignore this, if you get distracted, you're going to miss something here. You're going to miss it. It's worth noting that at the time Jesus was saying about that, and he's talking about what had happened uh, in, over history. He's giving them a history lesson. Basically, in the, in them days, uh, idolatry was 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 really rife. It was it was rampant and, and unfaithfulness and so on. So God had to move outside of it, and He acted outside of the nation. And God's saying, "Don't don't guys, don't let that happen again. I want to do something amazing here." So basically, this is the thing. It, He's reading their hearts, he knows what they're thinking, and then he rebukes them. He says, it's happened before, guys, don't let it happen again. And they get angry and they say, what do you mean you're going to start doing stuff outside of of here, outside of of Israel, outside of this, you're going to do stuff outside of, hang on a second, what do you mean we'll get nothing, we will get nothing? And they get offended and they get offended, and in their head they're like, we've got to get rid of this guy, we've got to drive him to the end, and and let's not uh, beat around the bush, they were going to kill him. They were going to take him to the end of the cliff and push him off. They wanted to end his life quickly. So here in a summary is the thing that they got offended about. The suggestion that the Gentiles might be blessed while Israel reaps nothing. That's the thing that leaves them fuming. They say, you're referring back to the Old Testament where that kind of happened. Like that has just made them absolutely livid. Now the reality is there was a choice they could have said, yeah, that is Joseph's son, but let's hear what he's got to say. Yeah, he, he, he is anointed, actually. He's got a message here. He's just said something incredible. This is what we've been longing for for thousands of years. And now he's saying, that's fulfilled. They, they, they could have chose to do that, but they chose to say, it's Joseph's son, and they chose to get offended. They got offended at what he said, and they writ everything out. They threw the whole baby in bath water. They just completely turned the table and and, and said, oh, you know what? Forget it. Forget what he's just said. They only saw in the natural. They only saw what they wanted to see, and they let themselves get carried away. They let themselves get offended by what Jesus had said, and then they chose to reject him. Question then, how often might we miss something? People might try and communicate something, try and say something that's from their heart. And because of pain or baggage or or our narrative or because of how we see them, well, they're just from there or whatever, we miss what they're trying to say. How often might we miss what Jesus is trying to say and do? Because we come with our story already in our mind and in our head. You'll know and remember the story of the famous violinist Joshua Bell. He's one of the best concert concert violinists in the world. And he played for free for 45 minutes on a violin that was worth $3.5 million in a subway in DC. And I just hold that picture there because over a thousand people passed by as he played. Only seven of them stopped to listen to what he was playing. One of them was a three-year-old boy, and only one person out of the thousand people saw it and recognized him. Someone great was in their midst, but they missed it. Somebody great was doing something great and playing something great, but maybe the baseball cap and the jumper got in the way. Maybe that was the distraction. They missed a moment. What might God be trying to communicate to your heart this morning or he has been for years and we've somehow missed it because we've allowed other things to get in the way oh, it's just this it's just just my workplace it's just the guy that's fixing my boiler it's just the guy who lives next door God's trying to communicate an amazing message like he did there and often things can get in the way for me, what happened here is like the ultimate photo bomb. It's like an amazing thing was happening. It's like, da da, guys, this is our big day. This is our big moment. And then suddenly, something steps in front of it, and it's like, oh, it's it's just Joseph's son. Oh, hang on a second. Did he just say that from the Old Testament? I'm offended at that. That's really offended me. No, that's got me going like, no way. Like, I, I'm not listening to anything else that Jesus. Said. Should we just get rid of him? Let's just get rid of him. Let's just chuck Jesus off the cliff. Something got in the way of what was trying to be communicated. Something awesome. Something amazing. They got fixated on the wrong thing. They got offended. They got fixated on being offended. And as a result, they rejected what was happening. A key moment in history. Jesus revealing himself to say, I am what you have been waiting for. What might we be fixating on that uh, without knowing it means that we're rejecting what Jesus is trying to do or say in a specific moment? We know that even though some of them didn't hear the words that he was saying, some of them missed it, Jesus went on to show them what he meant. He went on to heal the sick. He went on to heal the blind. He went on to preach the good news to the poor. Sometimes if we get misunderstood or people don't hear what we're about, sometimes God might be saying, well, just show them. Show them what you mean. Show them with your actions. Show them with your love. Show them with what I've given you. That'll speak volumes. That'll communicate what I'm doing in and through you. Just imagine the words that Jesus would speak in your workplace. He wants to use you, he wants to speak to you and through you. He wants to say, Through you, I have come to preach good news to the poor. Through you, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. Through you, I've come to bring life. He wants to use you and he wants to communicate his message in and through you. Let's keep going. Let's keep pressing on with it. Let's keep communicating what God is trying to say. Imagine what message could be communicated if we personally didn't allow fear or embarrassment, pride or awkwardness (laughs) get in the way of what Jesus is trying to communicate to those around us.